0: Hello to the beautiful, well-adjusted people who listen to this podcast for um, non-Dave Matthews band reasons and episodes. The good news is I've got an eclectic batch of shows coming to the feed after this one. But before we slip down those slides, you'll have to take one more tour through the DMB verse before moving on to other subjects and riffings. This third and final installment of my Lily White Sessions slash Busted Stuff retrospective Homes in on DMB's fifth formal studio set. The appropriately titled this Stuff was released on July 16th, 2002, meaning its 20-year anniversary is nearly upon us. That's kind of why I went through the trouble of doing all this. Let's reflect and also learn some things, shall we? One more table-setting session before the interview. Come on in. This will not take long. This album is, in my opinion, firmly the fourth best DMB record, a tier below the so-called Big Three, but still slightly above. Away from the world and Big Whiskey and the Grugrux King, after the mixed reception to Everyday, followed by the Wait, guys, seriously, Revelations over what the band abandoned in the studio with the Lily White sessions, DMB nevertheless pulled off yet another huge tour. This one in 2001 that went through the end of August. Then 9-11 happened. A few international dates planned near the end of that year got canceled. General shock aside for the more important things affecting the world at that point, DMB did wrap up that year with a lot of options for O2. The band could have decided to simply not go back in the studio again and record another album, at least at that point in time. Remember, each member was generationally wealthy by this point, and the group's road reputation was so good and widespread, the Matthews band could have toured for another five years in a row with no new record to promote and probably not seen a dent in its ability to pack sheds across the lower 48. Even if the band wanted to simply take a break for the better part of a year, that would have been, I don't know, rational, acceptable, hard to argue, Nevertheless, and to DMB's credit, and I think a lot of this stems from Dave, who can be restless when it comes to staying or straying too far away from the live performance setting for too long. The guys knew people wanted to hear those Lily White Sessions tunes on an official record. There was unfinished business to tend to. The group never shied from this. Band members openly admitting to it with frequency in 01 and 02. We like those songs. We want to put them on a record. We just haven't done it yet. So in early 02... Basically two years after the quintet assembled in Charlottesville, they instead flew across the country and met where they had once met before in Sausalito, California. They were going to record at the record plant, which is the site and studio where they made before these crowded streets. Perhaps there would be some good juju and good vibes there. Well, we'll see about that. (laughs) Um, The plant, by the way, this is where Fleetwood Mac recorded rumors. It's probably the most famous album or successful album to come out of that um, legendary studio but this location actually closed in 08. The last band to record at the plant as it formerly existed was The Fray, who recorded their eponymous second album, The Fray. Kind of a bummer, no offense to The Fray. The building was recommissioned, and now it's a different record studio called The Record uh, Factory. I'm digressing. Point is, this place has walls with stories to tell, and a few of those stories are delicate about the doings, Dave Matthews Band. And these Busted Stuff sessions would not be like the Street Sessions, even if there was eventually some magic that did make its way into the room later on. Harris will explain, as you'll learn on this episode, the band was building to a boiling point behind the scenes. The reasons why for this still remain a mystery and probably amount to little all these years later. But Harris does make some news on this episode by unveiling a few never-before-disclosed details surrounding the making of this LP. Even if you're sure... You never know at all. So yeah, there's some new stuff to discover in the next hour plus because there was frustration rising within DMB's ranks. In fact, as you'll hear Harris explain, the atmosphere and intra-band tensions that have always been attached to the lily-white sessions, in fact, that was more of the reality through some of the making of busted stuff. An issue or issues were festering and eventually they just had to be dealt with. For as much infighting, can be meat on the bone for fans who want to chew up everything about a group's history. I need to state the obvious here. It would be naive to think that a band that's around each other so much, and remember at this point, it's been a full-on, full decade that DMB had been a nonstop touring music making machine into the studio promoting albums. It would be understandable and natural to have confrontations, strains, cracks this group has always acted like a family it's still going strong more than 30 years in because it's been able to withstand occasional disagreements dissension discord when it comes to the music industry when it comes to even human behavior you're around someone for that long this is normal by the way this is a Busted Stuff-focused episode, but there's even a few more Lily White Sessions details Harris weaves in as well, if you didn't get all of your fill from Part 1 and Part 2. I think that about covers the setup. So, let's get to the interview. If you liked Harris's insight on Part 1, this pod's even better. 20 years on, here's a lengthy look back at Busted Stuff and how busted it really could have been. Busted so Stuff.
1: Yeah, so then, I get a phone
0: call. Yeah, how does that... How does, that's literally what I was going to ask was how does the decision as you know it to be get decided to bring you in and, and okay. So you don't know how it got decided that you were going to get the show, but how did, when did you get the call? How did you get the call? What were the circumstances when you learned that? I was
1: at home, uh, got a phone call from Dave and he goes, do you want to come to, do you want to come to make an album, produce an album? And I said yes before he even finished (laughs) the sentence. And, uh, yeah, so I was, you know, I was, um, Commissioned as the producer for the, for the next album, uh, producer contract and we discussed the studios. Uh, they had some ideas. Bruce floor was involved with that. and so was the band and, um, and we decided to go back to Sausalito. And there was, so as soon as I got the call, I'm ready immediately realized that there was a job to be done, you know, cause I'm a fan right And I've watched them from the inside, but like any other fan, great album, failed album. Glossy, whatever you want to call it. Even though there's some great tracks on that album, uh, yeah. And in fact, um, at that time, I was really interested in what the fan base was saying. I was totally caught up with social media, with the, with you know, with the, with all the fans. I found it exciting and um, and paid attention to it. And I too, you know, was uh, concerned about how things were going. You know, and then um, so I, it quickly came to um, my consciousness that, that this is for me this is a reset album this is this is like the reset you know we've got one chance to sort of pull it back into line and that's how I felt as a fan and so that was my my first thought was you know we're not you know I'm not going to try and compete with anything <laughs> that's gone before I I, I, I my, my biggest bugbear with uh, Glenn's album was that uh, as shiny and as you know it got Dave's voice on the character of the band was the actual, the character of each individual musician was blindly missing. We were, you know, we don't need to, I'm not going to criticize it in, 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 cause it was a success and there's some fantastic records and their biggest hit from in England was, um, uh, the space day, what's it called? Yeah, the
0: first space track. Space uh, Between or I did it. Space space, space, space between. between. Okay.
1: The mass was the, the, the only real track that's been on radio. that got on radio one. In fact, people come up to me, Saying, oh, that Dave Matthews band that you work with, you know, because how
0: about that? Want,
1: yeah, that one track sort of shifted the, the needle a little, only for about six months, and that was it. Then it was, then they've gone again. Yeah, so it was a, so it was like, it's a reset album, and that's how I went into it. And so, how that man, manifested is like, um, the choice of the studio was mainly down to the fact that it was like there was some sort of uh memory of it being brilliant, you know, the, the, you know, back in 97, 98, uh, and it is a, is a stupid, super place for them. You know, we, it's a beautiful place. Studio works well. So I agreed to that. Also, I love Sausalito myself and it was great. Um, the biggest decision for that, for me on the album was not to bring any guests in. Right. And uh, I was, I was we were having a meeting very early on and I was, we were just having a, a walk outside of this. There's the six of us. And I said, look, I don't want any guests. I don't want it to, I don't want to try and make for these greatest streets. We, you know, I'm not trying to copy that. We're not going to, you know, I just want a really simple, honest, um, bare bones album is what I was trying to get to just so there's the personalities were, you know, back out back in, you know, so I can hear Roy, I can hear, uh, um, Boyd and I can hear, you know, playing. And that was, that was my, that was my first biggest decision was to, to go that way. And, um, I'm very glad we did apart from, cause, cause you don't realize how much, um, Tim Reynolds adds to the party, you know, sonically, you know, he, because there's always two guitars, guitar right, guitar left, and what's going on? Even if there's the riff, if, even if they're doubling up a riff, it's just wide stereo, two guitars, and and Tim is just you know the greatest guitarist known to mankind. You know he, he's just an unknown gem. Well, he's not unknown, but you know he's just a, a genius. I always said if he fell downstairs, if you had, some, if, you had a, you know, if he fell down some stairs, he'd go <laughs> you know <laughs> he just would. You know he's just got music in him. <laughs> you know wow. I've very, I've very, I've very, I've very farts of major seventh chord. Like, you know, <laughs> he just know he's just, he's just music. Anyway, I, I, he wasn't on the session, and um, and everyone agreed. So,
0: but it was your idea. I, that was one of my questions. Yeah, it was your yeah, no, idea. Those, just the fact because yeah, yeah. this is busted stuff. Is the only album where <laughs> every day had Santana on a track. You know, albums that yeah. came even like stand up had. A, this is the only DMB record where it's just the core five, which makes it obviously you know that's one of the more well, distinct. So I, I
1: knew the songs had history. And I knew what that history was. And it was uh, like the, the Lee White Sessions, there's no guests on, right? So I knew what we were going to make. Right. And all I had was a memory of the songs. And and I do remember as well, I think that all the rest of the band was exactly the same. No one had listened to it. No one had re-looked at those so- songs before we did Busted stuff. Everything was just, from memory of what was it, two years ago? Two years. It was yeah. two
0: years. They also had played the majority of these songs on the road, so there was a certain okay. muscle yeah, yeah, memory yeah, yeah. with that as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one quick one before we do you, the Plant Studios in Sausalito, would, uh, when you recorded Busted Stuff, I've, I've obviously never been out there, so I don't know how big the, the compound, the building is. Did you record this record like in the exact same studio as the streets, or was it just yep. the same? It was yep. the same exact room the, the whole time? Yeah. Okay. And, how about that? That's that's awesome. F-
1: shamefully, they probably all set up the same as well. Probably the same mics at times. Yeah. <laughs> I try, and that wasn't a, that wasn't in any way. I sort of like, I've got to do it that way. It was just like, yeah, I'm in the same room. I'm coming to the same conclusions. Oh, actually that's not, that's not true. Cause um, I brought an engineering for that session. I actually just was producer, I wasn't engineering. I, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I wanted to, so I brought an engineering, uh, John Nelson, who was an assistant on the, on the everyday album. And I wanted, and he, and I, and I saw in those nine days I was there that he was a brilliant energy, really funny. And I knew he was on that sort of cusp of engineering. And I thought, just give a guy a leg up, you know. So you come and help me, you know. Give him, a, you know. Everyone needs a leg up. And um, so he engineered. So I probably just gave him uh, on that on the, you know, free reign like Lily White gave to me, what mics to use, and you know, it's like just do, you know, do what you do. And then so I took a step back on that one, for for that. So. Not the same mics, but they were in the same place. Everyone was set up the same, so it so sort of, you know, felt it felt the same, but it was it, everything was everything was different on that session. So, uh, the way that the band were and uh, and the uh, the tensions and the and the let's
0: the, uh, say they were
1: they weren't in the best of spaces.
0: Yeah, yeah. How did you? How did you come to realize, learn this? Uh, you know, is it a body language thing? Is it just you know maybe Dave or someone else in the band is acting a bit different from what you would remember in the studio? What do you, you want to
1: do you want to go? Around? Okay, okay. I've thought about this a lot before we. I knew we were going to do this podcast, so um, I'm not going to give too much away because I'm fiercely loyal to the boys. I got you. Okay, so I'm, okay. But you know, I turn up. I meet. I meet Dave in a, a cafe where we used to have breakfast all the time on before This the streets, and it was quite obvious that um, immediately he walks in. I haven't seen him for a few months and he's in a bad way. You know, he's emotional. I don't know what's going on. Something's going on in his life. That's nothing to do with me or music, but something's going on. And he, and, uh, and he did tell me, but I'm, that's between me and him, but uh, he's, uh, you know, uh, uh so I'm thinking off, <laughs> you know, day one, this is the biggest session of my life, you know, and my lead singer writer is, you know, not in a good space. So that was the first thing, but then I've never told this to anybody. to be honest. No one knows this, as, uh, uh, it's not been on record, but um after about six or seven songs were put down and were put down with such great, you know, great vibe, or maybe five, maybe four or five. I can't I can't remember. They went off to do the opening night of the Winter Olympics.
0: Salt Lake City, 2002. Lake. Yes, yes.
1: So they went off for, uh, I think, three days. I think it was, yeah, two nights, three days, and they played and they came back. And when they came back... <laughs> I don't know what had happened. Right. But Carter was gonna leave. What? He's just leaving the band. Session Joba. It's all shit. The band's crap. Blah, blah, blah. I'm off. I'm going. And I'm like going, oh my fucking God. They're welcome back. Everyone's in a freaking terrible mood. Right. And it is the whole thing collapses. It stops. Wow. And I was just thinking, you know what? I've been delivered the best gig of my life and it's falling around, you know, to none of, for nothing I've done, but like, you know, I don't know what happened, you know, but they weren't, even before that they weren't the happiest of bands. Right. But I've seen this before with them. I've seen them even on, even in other rooms when, when someone's in a bad mood or they something's happened and literally when they start playing by the end of the track, they're all, bro- you yeah, know they're all happy brothers again. And they are brothers. You know, they, the way they act, they're just like, well, they were five brothers, but it's changed now the dynamic, but, um, you know and I've seen them hate each other and then love each other within an hour, and it's the music when so it's usually based around them playing music together. But so, so we came we came back uh, from Salt Lake, and um, I, I know you know, I've got Corrin Capshaw on the phone going, Steve, I'll talk to Carter, you've got to keep it together, you know, this, you know, we've got to, you know, you've got to. So I literally went in for two or three days of um. Uh, for therapy. You know, I was the therapist, of, you know, trying to keep, you know, trying to work it to, you know, and, and so we, we lost about three or four days, three days. Carter didn't leave. He was threatening to leave. But I think Corrin kept him in the, uh, in the area. And, um, and then a meeting was called. And so they came into the control room. I shut the doors and left them to it and just sat uh, just slightly outside. And after about uh, two hours, I got a call back in.
0: So it's just uh, the five of them in the control room. the
1: five of them in the control room, yeah, yeah. Just uh, doing whatever, they're fleshing it in, you know, no one's witnessed to what was said. It was just between the five of them. And then, um, Dave, you know, David Cart said, can you, know, can we hear some of the tracks we've been doing? And so we put the tracks on, and everyone's like, and Carter's like, oh, fucking hell, these are great. Literally, right, let's get going. Uh, next day, we start on, and you would not think that anything has happened, and we finish the session with everyone just loving each other. Wow. But it was so close, so close to not happening.
0: Before it got to that point, was it a situation where, you know, Dave, Stefan, and Boyd had come back to the studio, but like Roy was wherever and Carter was wherever? Was it everyone except Carter that it actually, like, was this a 24 hour period, three day period, no, seven day no, period? I think, I think
1: it's a much longer period. I think what, I think so you might longer... have
0: been in limbo, like, not knowing if this record was going to get finished for, like, we're talking like at least a week or two, at least? Uh, no,
1: no, I'd say
0: uh, about four days. About four days. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I'd seen I'm trying to be really discreet I've seen the band even through the bits that uh, you know I, I've I, I've seen them dismantle a little bit you know that their, their, their personalities you know and 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 get on each other's nerves or, or or argue or you know at various times and you know you can put it down to many things they, they were all hitting 30 35 40 you know and uh, there's a lot of money, there's a lot of pressures, there's lots of fame, there's lots of egos, there's lots, you know, and it's just like, I've seen it with many bands, you know, in the early days, it's all, they're all together, fun, we're all a band, and everyone grows up a bit, and they've all got your pressures, wives, children, blah, 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 you know, and stuff happens in their lives, and, and who do you take it out on most of, is the people you love the most, and it's, and, um, and I think, um, it, you know, their relationships tested, and then rebound back, and this was a, this was a huge, huge test. Um, and it was just that, you know, I don't think there was really any intention of them quitting, you know, but it, 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 but when it's out there, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's scary. And, you know, you really felt like he was meaning it, you know, Yeah. but I, you know, but I would have on that session, all the way to that session, I, I was a really unhappy Leroy. Leroy wasn't there. He had a really bad time then. So, you know, at the end of set, the end of the night, he would, I'd be, you know, we'd be locking up and. Roy would be there with a, with a whiskey and uh, in the, in the room and I would probably end up sitting there chatting to him for an hour or so before I went to bed. Cause you know, just trying to uh-huh. just let, listen to, you know, and, and those are very private conversations, but you know, it was, they were in at the time where the band was, you know, wasn't, wasn't, uh, wasn't the happiest of, 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 of bands. I think the whole, you know, and I think, you know, I think the the, the journey they took with the Lily White sessions and and the the, the, uh, the response from the Glenn Ballard album. I think that was that was, you know, part of it. But then have also got pressures of to touring, pressures of to, loads of pressures, you know. They were very, very busy. And it, and it's five egos. Five huge egos. Mm. You know. Yeah. Massive.
0: Two thousand two is probably it's probably the peak of DNB's powers in regard to you know they would played stadiums in 2000, 2001, but they're they're about to do another record. There really long touring year. Um, can certainly see why uh, why it led to that. The irony, of course, here just to uh, kind of speak to the listeners who are who are hearing this is the Lily White Sessions has always carried this reputation of Dave in a dark space. The band maybe hitting some schisms, and then the record company essentially coming in and saying. Uh, this doesn't have as much pop to it. It doesn't have as much uh, optimism as the previous three albums, even though Streets was obviously like, Streets was dark and it was amazing. It's their best record. Um, But there's been that reputation and Busted Stuff, well, I I so, so very much appreciate you talking about it. You know, in fact, the, the, the sentiments and the environment around the making of Busted Stuff is actually more, (laughs) <laughs> what people thought Lily White Sessions would have been, whereas you just said before, you know, the Lily White Sessions, for the most part, they, they were all yeah. they were all in great spirits, it's just they had this force they couldn't overcome of of, yeah. of recording in this room where the Sonics just were not going to give way and it was ultimately a losing battle.
1: I would say that. I would say that's a better way of, of, of what the truth from my perspective is is that that's, yeah, they was, uh, the, the the making of the Lily White Sessions was, was a happy time for everybody. You know, it was brilliant. It was absolutely great. It was, it was and I think what you're saying, what what I've said about the Sonics of, and the reason why the ear fatigue, ear fatigue, no one at the time would know that. <laughs> you know, no one's like, you know, Carter yeah. doesn't go, go, oh, minute, that room sounds bad, and my ears are fatigued, and I don't want to be in there for that reason. You know, it's a gen, you know, it's it's not. So I just remember it being a really good time in the in the uh, Charlottesville. It was good fun.
0: Busted stuff sound. Um, let's get to what, what you did here. Uh, just the five on the album. First of all, how long from you getting it, day one in Sausalito to you, uh, final touches. How, how long do you think it actually took to make the album for you?
1: I reckon we started in January and we finished, uh, I want to say, end of, I want to say end of March, maybe mid April. That's what I want to okay, say. Okay.
0: January to end of March, mid April. Um, and I went, yeah, go ahead. yeah,
1: And I went, I think I went home for a couple of weeks before that. And, uh, I, I came back for the mixing. Okay. So I think recording would probably be two months and then came back after a few weeks to start
0: mixing production wise i re-listened to the record twice uh this week in advance of doing this did you by chance listen again yeah okay so we'll get into the song by song stuff in a a few here but production wise i i my notes as i was listening were it's it's maybe it's because it's just the five it feels it feels meat and potatoes it feels streamlined it feels organic how much of how the actual record was produced... You were the producer, so I figure most of this stuff was your say, but having just learned what you told me here, Steve, how much of it would have been maybe uh, Dave or Carter or Leroy or Boyd or Stefan also either wanting input on how things uh, were, were produced or you being receptive to that, or if it was just, Steve, we trust you completely. Like How much of this was really just your vision entirely and that you executed?
1: So you, you had that long conversation with Steve, anyway, on and, and the band... How the band works, as in, you know, they play and he sorts it out, and as in, that's they're, they're the same band, and that's how it works. You know, if it, if it wasn't for someone to take in charge, and it would never happen. You know, so yeah, so what I would do is exactly really, really very similar. So you know, get them playing, and then go fish and find the best tracks. You know, blah, 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 you know, and Dave would be you know popping his head in every so often, but it was just like you know, it was a uh, that and I and what I did differently with. Uh, the Boyd and Leroy especially Boyd that after all the tracks were done I gave him a whole like week on his own and gave him some love and and we got these parts down and just experimented and just it was just like you know just play back on top of these you know and we, and, and, and then I recorded 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 and then and then uh, edited after you know sort of comp comp that after but um yeah so i I mean obviously when they, their input is at, at, at the stage when they're you know when the arrangements go in, it's all organic for them. You know, it's like, you know, they will just go and oh, no, let's go to the chorus there. You know, it's, it's them being what they are brilliant musicians and using their musical, um, their musical instincts. You just want to stay out of the way of that with this band, you know, cause like, why would they want an opinion of, you know, some English guy, what, you know, you know, the, you know, the, 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 lowest, you know, the, the worst person in the room is the weakest link, you know? So it's like, you know, there's five incredible musicians and, uh, you just want them to sing you just want them to fly and you know your job at that point when they when everyone's playing together is to make them feel great make them be you know comfortable put them in a great space and let them do their thing and and, and that's that's when you get the magic to, to happen and then it's recognizing them when the magic happens and then tidying it up and adding extra stuff after so and that you know there's so many different ways to produce a record you know some records I've done it where I've gone in heavy with you know, opinions and of of, of arrangements and blah, blah blah. But with this band, you you stay well away because you just make yourself look foolish. <laughs> you know, it's like why would you? You know, you don't. You, know, you would never go to Carter. You know, car. Why not? Why not do like a little double drum thing? You know, it's it's ridiculous. You know, you just stand there with your jaw open, going, oh, "I'm so happy to press and record." You know, this is this incredible. Ah,
0: uh, how about that? No, I I, I hear you. Are they? You know, eventually I'd actually love to have you on for a completely separate chat about um on this pod I want to do a thing with like talking to like four or five different music producers from different genres. So well, you know, I I'd, I'd love to get into that. But from but related to that, I imagine the process of actually working with this band and recording this band is different from any other act that you've worked with just the composition of the band, how they uh, maybe not like like no other like, like no other. No, okay.
1: Like no other. Yeah, you know, you know you know my history. I come back I come from a uh, UK not yeah, my my career started in the 90s of uh the, the brit pop scene that was going on in mm-hmm. england you know the, the cooler shakers there all that sort of stuff and, and and um so but i'm a jazz musician i you know i play i love jazz and i was a jazz musician as a as a as a kid and um me walking into you know not knowing who they were, were i walk into this band and it's like <laughs> just incredible Yeah, you know, they are incredible i mean, Carter Beaufort is without doubt one of the greatest drummers on the planet and there's no there's no discussion with that you know people go oh yeah you're steve gator yes yes they're great but he's in the conversation of all those greatest you know top three yeah. <laughs> top two yeah and he's totally unique he is, i remember uh, yeah. st- i remember when i walked in the before this greatest street session and i look at his kit and i go how, the, how am i going to mic this up <laughs> how am i going to mic this up because it's, it's massive, you know, but it's yeah. not so massive as in wide. It's deep. It goes back here, you know. I'm yeah. not sure you can't see that on a podcast, but it goes yeah. behind his head. Yes. You know, there's so much coverage. Uh, it's just like, oh, no, it's just... Um, but then he starts playing, and, you know, you could just put a few mics up. But, you know, see him. You know, it's it's amazing. He's amazing. He would... My favourite Carter story, <laughs> it was a Dave story, actually, is that when we were doing the Lily White sessions, they were starting a they were going to start the stadium tour. I think it's their one and only stadium tour. Am I right? In they did
0: 2000 and I think they did 01. And you know what? They, they did a few in 99, 2000 was like the stadium tour year. And then they might've done a few in 01. Okay. And I think that was it. But so anyway.
1: so they're going to do giants. So two weeks before the giant stadium, it was like, we need to rehearse. We need to stop recording. We'll rehearse in the studio, That the, the setup. Another day goes by, Steve wants to do a few more overdubs. And so we're working on some tracks. And another day goes back, we've got a week to go. And it's like, we really need to rehearse. Like, this, you know, and. You know, they're playing the show seven days time. No rehearsal, no rehearsal. Three days to go. We need to rehearse. Steve wants to do a few more overdubs, you know, blah, blah, blah. They don't rehearse. They don't get any rehearse. They go straight to the gig. Yeah. And Dave said to me, I said, I can't believe you're going to do this. And he goes, when you got Carter Beaufort on drums, it, it's all good. We're fine. You know, he can't go wrong. And that was how he, that's what Dave said about Carter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> isn't that just that's crazy, isn't it? You just turn up at a stadium, sixty thousand people, no rehearsal, and you go press go.
0: That's unbelievable. <laughs> I'm in the process of. Uh, I think I've told you that. I'm in the process of writing a uh, scheduled to, to write a story, uh, cover story on Carter for Modern Drummer, and I've interviewed him once. And at the time of this recording, I'm scheduled to do another one later this summer. And uh, yeah, just you know, having gotten a chance to talk to him, uh, people around him, it's. Uh, <laughs> He's wired different, man. I just, just, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's rare, uh, rare ability, rare talent. He can just, he would get annoyed if
1: any of the other band members weren't listening to the music. He would go, to, You've got to listen to the, you know, he's mm. like, he's so musical. He goes, he, he would like, you're just not listening, you know, and he, so that's how, you know, it's such a, it's a re it's the real deal they're all the real deal but,
0: um, you, know. you mentioned uh before we get to the song by song stuff just uh from your own uh knowing the band as you do and knowing them all like people hear dmb they go see dave matthews band rightfully so dave is the alpha but it's almost as if like carter is also like right there with them because as the drummer and, and being how good he is and how like he is one of those he dmb is a band where if carter was not playing drums they don't exist as they are anymore his sound the way he builds the stuff is is clearly distinct is he uh is he basically as much of a of a shots caller when it comes to actually performing or song composition as dave in your opinion
1: um having watched them a few times write a song on the fly in the studio which hasn't you know most of the songs they've got ideas and but this is not a cop-out answer answer it just happens Mm. i mean it's like you ask a jazz musician, musician to, you know, how do you do that? They, they don't know. It's just like, just like water off a duck's back. You know, it just comes out. And I, I, I find sometimes um, people ask questions. Uh, you know, journalists. It's rightly so, but they're trying to write. You know, how do you do this? How did that happen? When you're creating, even on a level of, you know, as, as production, uh, you just do it. You know, it's all about instincts, and you can't really define why you do it. It's just you relying on your instincts of what feels good at the time, which will. Makes sense more about some of the decisions we make about the songs and and songs we didn't do, mm-hmm. um, but it, it you know so Carter is Carter a powerhouse in that band? They the three of them were I think with Fonzie, yeah. Fonzie plays a bigger part. I mean Dave yeah he writes the lyrics. He's you know without him it's just there's nothing. Mm-hmm. But Carter it was one of those, isn't it isn't it one of the most happy magic? It's one of those magic happy you know marriages isn't it? the, the five of them. You, you know, it would never happen again. It's just totally unique. Um, and, and uh, you know, you know Dave's one of the greatest acoustic players I've ever come across. And he thinks he's actually, he thinks he's horrendous, but he's an amazing, amazing musician. You know, he's, uh, he astounds me. Um, his left brain, right brain thing, you know, where, like, say, um, satellite, you know, you play satellite as a riff, he as a guitar, you know, it's really difficult to keep that going. Especially if you sing, you know, you sing the the melody. As soon, I mean, I can play it, but as soon as I try and sing the melody, this just collapses, you know, because I can't. He, he's. He, it's amazing how he does that. It's it's extraordinary, you know. He's, he's so talented. But he he undermines himself as a guitar player. He doesn't realize how he doesn't know. Maybe he does, but he doesn't know how good a guitar player is. He's, you know, he makes it. He's brilliant.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And Fonzie, he's a. a, a an enigma, 16 years old, 17 year old, you know, having those chops. It's a, f- it's a funny marriage, but uh, it works so well. And uh, I've never seen them discuss parts, never seen them. I've only ever seen them like, Oh, go to the bridge, mm. you know, <laughs> and like, a, you know, that's probably about it. They just do it. They just just start. You know.
0: Yeah. There's um, a real uh, unexplained magic in that process, which yeah, is really, really is, cool.
1: I, yeah. And it's like, I'd love to be able to quantify it, but it, it's unquantifiable.
0: Let's get to the songs that did not make this album. So, this is according to Wikipedia, but you are officially setting the record straight here. Okay? So, according to Wikipedia, yeah. here are songs that were recorded at the Bust sessions but didn't make the record. So, JTR, Monkey Man and Sweet yeah, Up yeah. and Down, we obviously know those were recorded at Lily White Sessions, and then Wikipedia also says that songs that eventually were on Some Devil, which you also produced, maybe that's a chat for another time, uh, Save Me <laughs> and Gravedigger were recorded. So that's five songs. JTR, Monkey Man, Sweet Up and Down, Save Me, Gravedigger. Confirm or Deny, all five, some of the five, what ones okay. actually did you record but didn't want so to make a record? S-
1: first time I heard Save Me and Gravedigger were on Some Devil.
0: Okay, so they were not recorded for the Bus Stuff Sessions. No, no. Someone no. that's in charge of Wikipedia, please delete those from the entry. Okay. <laughs> That's what I thought too uh, yeah. when I saw that. You know, just kind of refreshing stuff, doing some research. It doesn't hurt to check Wikipedia. I'm like, I don't ever remember this being a thing. So, all right, good to know. Good no,
1: to know. No, not. They weren't even even the ether.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, yeah. Um, so, JTR, Sweet Up and Down, and uh, what was the other one? Monkey, Monkey Man. Man. Yeah. Um, so, JTR was a, a, a bastardization of the track we did. We did two tracks on the Carlos Santana. Right, uh, which is different, but also there's a part of it that's the same. So, Dave brought this JTR to the Liddy White sessions and, and they developed it. and I hated it.
0: Oh my gosh,
1: from that point because I understand. Do you
0: know what I mean? It was it's one that, of my favorite songs, Steve. It's you're cracking me up. I understand why you have that. You're hearing you yeah. say that is unbelievable. This is like, whoo, yeah, yeah.
1: keep going. Uh, uh, so.
0: So hold on so, How many, but, I'm I'm going to interrupt you here. So did it basically not make the record because you have a personal affinity with the prior recording of it and you were basically like eh, I don't know about this one guys. Uh
1: I would have I would have had a voice in that but it wasn't the sole voice in that decision. Okay. Um, I maybe uh, we we tried it. We did it. Yeah. In on the on the, uh, the busted stuff sessions. Uh like we did all of them. We did sweet the band and we did nothing wrong. and um collectively we all went yeah. Not feeling it. And it's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. It's like it just doesn't feel right. It Doesn't just doesn't nah. Okay, when we when we did the airbus uh, stuff, me and I know Dave and I know Carter. Uh, I'm sure no one went. No one referenced. We didn't reference the little white sessions. We didn't listen to them. No one. I don't think anyone listened to them. Since. So everything was. And, and you. And you know, you've just informed me that they were playing them live. So I, 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 maybe I remember that. Book. But but um, we. So there was no sort of like, there's no reference to what was being passed. So for me, it was just a memory of of a, a time two years ago. So when I heard the tracks, I just knew I knew the tracks how they should go and how they feel and what. It was a sort of a, a, a you know, a, a sort of a, a refresh. And the tracks that didn't make it for me, were, were those three tracks, I just we, just we just no one was like, no one fought for them. It was as simple as going, let's ditch that one. No, um, it's not feeling it. And and that would have come from everybody.
0: Mm. How about that?
1: Mainly, mainly Dave and, and Dave got yeah. Well, uh, I, I can't remember if I don't remember anybody anybody going no no no. We wish, we should do it and I mean, there was an argument. There's no argument. It was just like
0: yeah. Where would you surmise that like so? Obviously, there were you know multiple takes of these songs that were that were done and maybe there was eventually there was like a a finished demo, if you will, of Monkey Man. Never- I don't,
1: I I I would say, Matt, that we would have done them once or twice yeah then, yeah maybe maybe three or four times then come in to have a listen and that would be it
0: okay as, as, as
1: brutal as that you no, know, it's, no, no it's no, good to know no work done on them it uh, was a very it seemed like a very simple decision at the time I've always thought about this so, so I thought uh, I can remember I can I haven't heard straight up and down since I did it in I can remember it yeah and uh, I don't regret not doing it to be honest it was because you can only you're working on your emotions at the time and you're working with your with your instincts and we went on an instinctive, you know, if someone had, if they've gone, no, no, we've got to do this, man. You know, i want to, oh, okay, let's, let's do it. But um, no, it was, it was a collective uh, vibe
0: in the room. So when you're recording this album, like those songs don't make the record, right? So at this time in 02, are you recording to tape or do you think it was digital?
1: No, 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 it was, I know exactly what it was. It was tape for the backing tracks. And then when I found the backing tracks that I liked, I would transfer that into the radar system, digital radar system which is not pro tools it's a it's a sort of a tape it's it is digital but it acts like a tape machine you know and, and i liked it because it was like it wasn't staring at a computer there's no computer screen it's play you know it's all but it was digital and and that gives you it gave you a edit much better quicker editing uh, abilities but it wasn't it wasn't like pro tools like we have now on screens
0: right right right
1: so it it's all to tape especially exactly the same way we did it on um, uh lily white sessions
0: Okay, so with the songs that didn't make the record, how do you think those? Maybe you do, maybe you don't know, but I'm just curious. And certainly fans that hope that one day, you know, DMB's management will say it's the 20. We're doing this because it's been 20 years. I assume there's no I, have they. I I assume there's no 20 year retrospective <laughs> happening. Like no, they're not gonna press it. To, this album never got pressed to vinyl, anything like that. I would. I it
1: it may do. It may do. I, I haven't heard from them
0: yeah uh, well i would assume if that if that is gonna happen you're gonna get a call saying hey steve we're gonna we're gonna
1: probably probably not unless unless you know um i mean I, they haven't done they haven't done crowded streets
0: have they, again they 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 actually they press crowded streets to vinyl off of i think the um it wasn't the master tapes and they did one run of it they haven't actually they haven't redone it since uh do
1: you, do you know do you know that then
0: can we any... You, do you know that? I, what, that they, they pressed it to vinyl once? Streets? Yeah, yeah. They did it. No, they, recent, after 20 in, in after twenty years? Yeah, no. after 20... No, no, they didn't do it after... With Streets, they didn't do it after 20 years. They did it in the moment. They pressed however many they did, 1,000, 2,000 copies, and right. then they have not done it since. My understanding is that maybe some of the stems uh, have not been located, but I don't know that... You know, I'm not... I, I have an understanding oh, of, of what. I, that I is. think that I think
1: that I think they've lost the tapes.
0: Yeah. So uh, why not? Let's just dive into this. I think. Just, I think. What have, uh, I got, what have
1: I got to lose? I think I they. Actually,
0: I think I... they have lost the tapes. Now I don't know. I don't think they lost the tapes. I think if the record company was in charge of the tapes, I think because there's really no reason not to, unless they're waiting for 25 years. I don't know, but well, I would assume well, they have the busted stuff tapes. I mean. I, I, oh, I don't well, know. I hope so. I would I was <laughs> certainly because you don't get to take those right? Like you don't get no your own no copy. no no. So
1: so they they would it, you know in the old days uh, they would get sh- you know the t- tapes are physical. Yeah. We master onto I think we mastered onto half inch or one inch maybe no half inch for uh, streets and they would then get sent to the uh, record company and then they would sent be sent to the mastering when mastering's books and then mastering should send those back to the vaults to, at Sony. So uh, I think they're I just
0: mislabeled somewhere. I think the streets tapes because. I mean, you really talk about like the the one record that the fans just desperately want to have the entire treatment with everything is is before these crowd streets that hasn't happened yet. Maybe they're waiting for twenty five. Maybe they found them, but um, maybe I hope so because you know. I hope so. I hope so too. For anyone, and this is this is certainly a topic of plenty of intrigue with uh, DMB fans. Anyone listening to this in real time in the year twenty twenty two. I have a little more information as to why I believe that, but I got to save it for something that I'm writing tied to Carter. So uh, more information will eventually (laughs) uh, come out as to why uh, you and I think that they might have been at at least at least misplaced there. Okay, so let's go into. uh, Can we go song by song here? Can we just go down the track list of 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 stuff here? All right, because I sent you a few things ahead of time. Did this is like my favorite part? I like (laughs) because I like just going through the song. You know, I did it with uh with Lily White on streets, I did it with him on like Under the Table Crash. I just never recorded those as podcasts, so but he's had
1: he's had so I mean, like Crowded Streets, there were so many extra things to talk about. I know, you know, I mean, Busted Stuff is a is a bare bones record, and I'm not apologetic for it. I'm you know, it was a by
0: design. I know this is listen, Steve, this is the this is—I don't want to say it's overlooked, but it is the, it is the good to great album in D&B's over, right? I mean, and no, it's not considered on the level of like the big three, if you will, the first three records. But yeah. it is firmly, forever holding the spot of like the number four album in the band's history. And if you want to include Lily, like it was ever released, but like fans will include Lily White sessions as as one, whatever that, like that's the five. It's a two-time platinum-selling album. It's it's. It's got a top 10 recognizable all-time sh- like live song in Gray Street. It's got another top 10 to 15 all-time live song in Bartender which you know is one of like the band's all-time epics with you know typical 41 seek up liner graves last stop, you know, that kind of stuff. It's got a one of the best written songs and we will very much be talking about you never know, but that's like one of the all-time compositions in band history. Where are you going? charted really well off this album. Um yeah, man, it's got there's just so much There's so much good to this record. I I do think it's the last time, Steve, that DMB had an album where the songwriting and the composition was good to great across the board. Like Every album since has had high points and really good stuff to point to, but there have been hiccups, missteps, obviously tragedy, some incohesiveness. This was the last record where really the stuff they created in the studio or what the band brought to the studio, Dave wrote, you know, it was just across the board, you know, boom, 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 boom. They just, they kind of all had it, you know?
1: Yeah. 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 It was, a, he, he was, um, I, I just felt that, you know, the songs were just, they're all brilliant songs. Aren't they? they, they you know, there's not a week one, Apart from Kit Kat Jam, should have Kit Kat Jam been, you know, because there was, wasn't that a lyric song?
0: It was. Okay. Let's go in track order. Okay. Okay. All okay. right. We'll start with, we'll start with the title track, Busted Stuff. Um, yeah. First of all, Stefan seems, I didn't re-listen to Under the Table or Streets or Crash before re-listening to this, but you know, I know those records inside it now. To me, it seems like Stefan was more prominent on Busted Stuff than any album prior, more in the mix. Would you agree with that? Was that a was that a probably probably
1: because probably because there's more room for it okay. to be heard. You know, if you listen to you know uh, streets, it's so full.
0: It is sonic.
1: Yeah. You know, there's it's very you know it's a a concophony where this is you know there's there's room for it to breathe. So, uh, d- d- you know, it was just a balance. Uh, yeah, I think arrangement is everything. You know, arrangement meaning what people play and how little you know that, and, and that's why. The personalities could be heard, and I th- I've said it before. That was my man- that was my mantra on this whole thing. This mm-hmm. whole thing is like it needs a reset. The band need a reset. It really because I, I you know, I didn't like I didn't like where they were going.
0: There's a wa there's a wah wah pedal effect on the title track. Here is that is that, that Dave that on an a- electric, or is that like Boyd on on? No, no that's Boyd. So, so that is that, Boyd. In that, okay.
1: In that week, in that week of audio, something I did notice about playing the album. All the way through the album, Boyd's on the right and Leroy's on the left.
0: I was going to get to this.
1: Why didn't I swap it?
0: Well, no. I feel <laughs> like now I noticed it the second time I listened through this week, and then I didn't listen a third time. I feel like there's one or two tracks where maybe it's where they used to be, but I could be wrong. Maybe they're maybe they're swapped for the entire album. Oh, but oh, I, I, don't,
1: I, don't, I can't. I don't know if I have to swap the whole album. But, but I was listening to it. And I was thinking, hey,
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: who allowed that to happen? I oh, did. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, it's if anything, it kind of throws you for a little. You'd have to be uh, but, intimately. First of all, you got to listen on cans, right? And you would have to be intimately involved with the band's records for to, like. Okay, to really- so the
1: musician for my defense, this is not a this is not a true defense, but my defense, Your Honor, I would say when I set up drums in a mix, I always do them as drummer's perspective. So the hat will be on the left hand side, mm. and the toms will go left to right as if you're playing them. Yeah. Where if you're looking on stage, it would go the other way around, you know. But I've always in everything I do. I, if I try and do it the other way around, it makes no sense to me, you know. So maybe I was thinking, I don't know, you know, it's not, that was, that's not, that's mm. not how it worked, You know, I don't know why. Oh, well, John, Ale- John Alasia, John Alasia mixed, mixed the album. I was yep. there. He mixed the album. I don't know. Just leave it at that. Maybe they got swapped. <laughs> I
0: don't know. Yeah. Um, Decision to bring in the wah was that Boyd? Was that okay? You? So
1: yeah, on Boyd's week of uh, overdubs, so I remember doing that. I remember doing that. You, I, I was thinking, oh god, yeah, I, I remember. That. It sort of we tried. The, I think I just said, oh, let's try wah wah. And so I was doing it. I was playing the wah on my foot. You were with, actually doing w- it because it barely was,
0: sounds like a violin when he's doing it, which is interesting. Not that that's good yes, or bad. Just it's just because I, 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 I think
1: he's just doing a pluck, a little okay. uh, like a plucks sound, gotcha. you know. So it sounds, so it's, you know, with a bit of distortion, and it sounds like it, you're going into the guitar realm. But I remember doing it, just doing the war while it was all going on. Yeah.
0: This is uh this is a I have in my notes here. This is mostly spare track. There's no Roy until almost like three minutes in. I know. Yeah, yeah. So can you he take? it? comes in really late. Yeah. Right. So can you just, from what you remember, your decision again, band collaboration, whatever. One, the decision to make the title track, track one. Why this one first? No Roy until almost three minutes. You've got. You've got, like, a 20-second slow fade where Roy's really starting to get loose here. You could have if you wanted. I remember the first time I ever played this album because I knew the song. And I remember hearing this This is the first song I listened to. And I'm like, man, I wish they did this for, like, another minute and a half. Like, they just kind of <laughs> let it. But I understand why you didn't do it. But, that, like, as, at the first time I ever listened, I was like, man, this is exactly what I want right now after coming off of Every Day. And there goes that fade out. So just take me into thought process on why Busted stuff. Track one, maybe a little bit of a shorter jam out than uh, than normally listeners might have. Okay, said. so
1: first of all, I unlike Lily White, who has the you know, the the stature and power to to uh, say I'm doing it this way. That's the track. You know, he delivers the record top to bottom. No say, no A and R say. You may listen to him, but you know he's just and uh, and it's brilliant for it. But you know. Uh, the music business works in many different ways, so that decision was taken out. Of, I was had no say in the in the track order of About what was that. going on, yeah. Okay, okay, so you know, I delivered the album, but I didn't del- you know, put the track out. You know, I, I I don't remember, I had a massive con, I did have a massive say in Some Devil because that was my baby, oh, in my day's baby, but um, uh, <clears throat> no one was going to screw me that. But with this, um, it was you know, it uh, record company Bruce Floor or. Or or you know, I don't know. But I, but the, the, the order was,
0: was
1: not. Okay. so I remember when I think I saw the order first, when I went to master it in New York, that's probably when I saw the, saw the order for the first time. It sort of works. So, so there was no, there was no decision making about orders in, in apart from bartender was always
0: going to be last. Okay. Good to know. You cut the jam a little short on the end of that tune. Now I won't say you cut it short. You just faded out. I don't know. Was it, was it one of those things where maybe they jammed a bit long in the studio and you thought, you know what, this is track one. Maybe we should, uh, tighten this up uh,
1: those decisions would be made emotionally yeah. at the time okay whether right right or wrong you know it'd be like i'm ready to go now you know
0: i think and, it's um, the right decision now later
1: why why uh roy comes in so late i think i left it out i think he would have played all over it and i think it was a case of like i just love the, i love how that song is so so you know i don't think uh fonzie comes in till
0: He's a little, yeah, he's you not, know, he's not there at the yeah. start. Yep. So he's
1: just guitar, drums, and vocal. You know, it's, it's really cool. I just love the fact that he just makes a, st- he starts his solo, doesn't he? Just bang. And he comes in. It's just a great new, great new color. And there's the band, you know,
0: it's, it's And you're best, a jazz you know. guy. and It's a little bit of a jazzy feel. So.
1: Oh, he, God, I remember seeing him once at a club in, when we were doing streets, he, he took his, we went for a drink in a bar and there was a, a little quartet in the bar and, and he got up and, played and you know you just like here you know, oh my god the guy's you know he's got the chops he was oh, what a beautiful human being he was
0: absolutely um track two gray street okay great cut here really strong vocal take by dave don't think not asking you to remember exactly i'm just wondering if like this was like a, a you know one take tommy deal with him because he is this is a great great um vocal outro I'd say no, actually the, the only
1: the only we would have redone the vocals okay again and again a few times and I would have comped and made the best vocal out of what he gave me uh, except bartender where we did that and I just couldn't he just I just felt that the original one that went down with the, the tape was the best. Gray Street I I didn't know until it had come out and I saw the fan the fan base talk about it that there was an extra verse I I had no I you know I recorded. The Lily White sessions, but I but I couldn't re- you know at the time I was like I didn't know there was one missing. He just he just dropped it. He didn't go. I'm going to drop a verse. It just didn't happen, and I didn't recognize it as a verse. Being it's like oh
0: You know what's so just, funny about that, just Steve? Felt, felt so good. It's right. So uh, the very first version of Gray Street had like four verses, I believe, and then this version has like the the one we recognize it to have right, like three verses. Yeah. Then. Take you really down the rabbit hole real briefly here. Uh, the, he cut the the song down to two verses by the end of 2002 until literally like two years ago. Gray Street, as it was known, only had two verses. It didn't. It oh, didn't. Really? Sing, when they played it live, it, he didn't sing the third verse of the song, and it was always this like, why did he ever do that? And the reason why was they once played a uh, Conan O'Brien show, and for time, I think he had to cut the song for TV, yeah. and then yeah. it just stuck. And, uh, and then for whatever reason, thankfully, he's, he's brought it back. But, uh, but it's so funny to hear you uh, reference that from 20 years ago because it, it, is, it is a forgotten facet where people knew the, the, the Lily White Sessions version and a Salt Live and, uh, and, you know, it had been chopped from four to three. Little did we know there was one more chopping for almost two decades that was uh, still so. So
1: the Lily White Sessions had four
0: verses? I believe it did. If it didn't have four verses, it had one last chorus or something like that. God, um, it
1: must have must have gone on for a while. Then. It was
0: a long. It was definitely like a long build. It was a long, long, long build. But the Gray Street cut uh, on Busted stuff to me is definitely better than the Lily White Sessions cut. Not just sonically. I'm just talking like composition, vocal take, the whole deal. Like the yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it's it's clearly clearly superior. And that's one where I definitely like you said it was A and R and Dave and them making the track list. This fits really really well. Track oh, the, two. the track
1: list is the track list works because it is. Yeah. Know, I've always wondered actually. Just digressing. If you've got a great album mm-hmm. that you love, but you didn't know the order, oh. and then you threw it up in the air and let it land, and that's the new order, and that's the first time you heard it, would that still be the greatest album? And, and it's really, you, you can't tell. Well, you let me answer. let me
0: ask you, Beatles fan. Can Abbey Road be in any other order oh. than it is? Can it? No, <laughs> no. it can't, no. right? No. It can, Abbey okay, Road. Now, now, maybe that's like almost one of a kind, but even it's like side one. Like, it's got to be the order that it's in. It's got to start with Come Together. But I'm,
1: I'm answering my own question only because I, I love it that way, but I don't mm-hmm. know it the new way. Yeah. You know, if it was, if, it, if it, you don't know. Well, it, you kind but.
0: of get that with the Beatles where the UK release is different from a tracklist perspective from the U S you know there are some Beatles records where I don't know if you, Is there really Oh yeah. Know. Oh yeah, there's yeah, yeah. yeah, like the original uh pressing of like Rubber Soul that was released in the UK and what came out in the United States not not the same exact track yeah. list. And so yeah. there's a, you get a little bit of that. But okay, your you know, right, yeah. your point is well your point is well uh your point is well taken. Um okay, where are you going? Track 3. This was released as a single. This uh, was
1: always this was always the track for the film.
0: Okay, so well, how about this? How about how about fun fact, Matt Norlander? I am in Mister Deeds as an extra. Oh, you really? I am. We don't need to go down that track. But the part of the film was uh, was filmed in a town called New Milford, Connecticut, where yeah. I lived at the time. And and I, like I'm barely in it, but there is a scene where I'm there. I think I'm wearing a. I think I'm wearing a green shirt. Anyway, um. So so you, what you're saying is. Dave wrote this song for the film Mr. Deeds before there was ever any idea that it would be on an album?
1: No, it was just always the, it was, it was a song he bought, because obviously there's, there's two new songs on the album. Yes. So obviously there must have been new in his head, but it was always the song that was going to be for the film. I mean, I don't know how he got there, but it was always going to be a song to do on the album. Um, I think he just wanted to try it out and then it succeeded. I don't know, did we need to record it? No, that's right. We need to record it. You never know, it was just something in the ether that happened, but you never know. Was I, he brought the song and he said, "I've got to do this song for this film," you know, and and that was it. Whether it was, I think it was always going to be on the album. Yeah.
0: Okay. You recorded Dave on a twelve-string, if I'm not mistaken. I was listening intently. It sounds like. Where are you going here? He plays it on a six-string live. It feels like that's a twelve-string he's playing on, though. It may have well been. Okay. If,
1: I don't. I can't remember. Okay. I can't remember. I do know. Uh, I do remember it being, um, he put a few overdubs on, I think Fonzie, Fonzie did some overdubs on it.
0: Um, I think that would be Fonz playing piano piano on this. And then then I have on my notes here at about the one Oh three mark of the song. Is that an Ebo effect?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is an Ebo. So, so you know, Dave would never do any overdubs, you know, he would get all the great players in, you know, Tim would do it all. And then all the, the guests. So Dave would just play his guitar, sing his songs. And, uh, and that would be it. Um, but of course it's a whole different dynamic on busted stuff because there was just you know, and it and uh I just said, you know, do you wanna give him a guitar? Give him an electric guitar. He was trying to, to play electric guitar you know, and uh have you tried an He was just he's like, This is great, you know, it, it was just happening there and then he yeah. was just yeah, yeah. And um so he gave him gave him an electric guitar sound and off he went and and, and did some stuff and played loads of stuff and I just got the best bits out and, and that was it. But I, I do remember it was one of his it's the first time you would ever done anything like that, I think. Yeah, yeah, uh,
0: yeah. I, I, th- I think you're you're right about that. Ebo's a nice touch there, so I'm giving you all the credit for that. All, right? <laughs> all of but the. But once credit.
1: you st- once you started him, you couldn't stop him. That I mean, a-
0: I, I, I <laughs> you can see that people listening to the podcast can't see us. Obviously, I got the guitars on my wall, and then I got over here. I got my Vox amp there. I got an Ebo. I love the Ebo, but but you gotta you gotta really. Oh, it's a, it. it's a one sound. It's a one trick pony. It is it? a one trick pony, but when when deployed correctly, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Can work well. um We now get into track four. You never know. Okay,
1: so one of the greatest days of my recording career.
0: You know what? I'm going to lay out here. Literally, you you cannot be too long-winded. Tell me everything that people want to know about.
1: Well, that's it. You know, I say that with absolute sincerity. It, it, It was just one of those magic days where a song didn't exist, and a song formed in front of your eyes, and a song was finished in, in a day. And, um, you know, everyone, and, and how that manifested was Dave was just playing the riff and, you know, then they started learning by ear and playing the parts and, and it just grew hour by hour. And, uh, and I, and the, the, reason it was so good for me was, um, I just remember realizing that it is one of the, such a beautiful melody and beautiful emotion that was just coming to the speakers. And I was just totally, yeah, blown away by it. Everybody in the studio that was witness to that day, who would come in and have a listen at the end of the day, it was just, it was just a magical moment. magical it was magical. Uh, in hindsight, I wish I could have another go at it, because that was day one. You know, and as Lily White said this before about you know you want sometimes you just want the, the band to go on the road, flesh it out, and come back and you know, and finally So that was literally day one, and you know that that version is probably pretty early on. In the, uh, in the scheme of things. So I remember it going downhill a little bit, as in performance quality, not not the song quality, you know, but like just tiredness or, you know, they've said everything they need to say. That was at the top of the curve where it was getting it was fresh. But there's... It, it just made... I mean, that awful down bit just mm-hmm. makes me just... every time I listen to it, I get the same emotions now. Um, so it's, it's, it's raw in performance as well as it is sonically. And I mean that as in like, you can tell, I think I can tell that it's like, it could have done with a bit more fleshing out and, and for them to be on top of their parts a little bit, it, it, you know, it's still a little bit of changes, a bit of, but there's something magic about it. And, and the song is just glorious. Um, lyrically, it's stunning. And uh, it's, I had that same feeling with the stone and well, many, many feelings, but that, that was incredible. But, um, but yeah, you never know it's probably my favorite day in the studio with that band. And it was just witnessing a guitar riff to, to the, you know, just seeing them work. I just, I, 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 all I did was just make them, you know, give them that space to do that. And that's what you get. Was, Magic day.
0: Was this the day you're talking about? Would this have been before or after After, the Carter drama? After. after, Okay. After. That's good. Good content. Because
1: after that, after that thing, whatever has happened, disappeared from the session.
0: Do we think this was like a couple of days after, maybe a little like. It was soon. It was pretty soon. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because we, because, you know, the sessions didn't last that, you know, the tracks went down pretty quickly. The rest of it was overdubs, you know, week with Boyd and vocals overdubs and stuff like that. Even though there's not a lot on there, you know, it took time, but um, yeah, pretty much soon after. I thought about this a lot when I, I knew we were going to have this conversation. I was trying to make sure that, that that's, you know, what I was saying is correct. You know, it, it was, um, and even the even the the, the guitars that Dave puts down, that, you know, there's some really brilliant little little parts that really add to the...
0: There are. I mean, I have uh, in my note, first of all, here's a couple things I have in my notes on this song. First of all, one of my questions is, and you've already answered it, but I'm going to say it out loud for the listeners to chuckle at. I said, did you re- did you recognize in the moment that what was written here was among some of the band's best work? Clearly you recognize that. Because, <laughs> uh, Steve, to kind of bring you into the fan base a bit, again, when Every Day came out, it came out to mixed reviews. It was just a different sound for the band. Some of that stuff is actually a pretty well. But at the time, there was just like, wh- what direction is the band going? Yeah. And then before Busted Stuff is released... In April of 2002, they play a spring tour, and no one knows this song exists. I remember And they, pl- remember that. And they remember play that it happened. out of... Okay, so yeah. you can feel free to follow up with me here. They play it out of nowhere. I want to say they play it in Boston is where they debut it. And it's be- it becomes probably the most legendary debut version of a song the band's ever done because of how incredible the song is. But also it was like the reminder to the fan base of like, we still got the stuff that you guys, you know... I hope that you think we're capable of doing and so it was this was the song that really made people get excited for busted stuff when it was coming because the presumption was it was it would be yeah. on the album and it was just like yeah. the biggest breath of fresh air and and uh maybe insurance policy for the band songwriting that anyone could have possibly asked for
1: well yeah i mean you yeah, know I, I it is I, I i think i felt that as well i felt like you know it was like because it was the fresh, Because for me, those two songs, "Where Are You Going?" and "You Never Know," are my songs. You know, mm. there's no history. There's no, you know. I, I was, and um, I mean, "Where Are You Going?" I think is a a, a lovely song, and it, it works really well. And you know, it it was, um, it was done for the, you know, it was done for, for a reason. But you never know. Is just the band at its best, and it's mine, and I love it dearly. Um, you know, all the other songs had history. Which was very difficult to deal with, you know. With a and I, I tried very hard. Well, well, I didn't. I, I, I you know, tried. We went in fresh, but I'm not stupid, you know. There was, there was history. What, what annoys me about the uh, the fans going back to the fans thing is, it's like you you see so many comments It's like, oh, you know, Steve Harris, he's just just the engineer and the band produced it, and you know, and he just probably pressed record for, for this stuff. It's like it's so far from the truth. Right. It's like you know, like I was. Part of keeping the band together you know it was like it was it was a mental time but uh, but that was a that was a payoff that day was the one of the biggest payoffs how about
0: that that's awesome you guys, real quick as we wrap on the song uh electric guitar i think is in the right channel that's dave yeah. he's playing some beautiful counter melodies oh, like, it's, did yeah. you was yeah. this now that having learned what you just said about how the song was based it was written in a day What's the, what's the the thunderbolt so, of, of inspiration to get Dave to even get on the electric guitar, to have the counter melodies, to play that, to, to lay that down? What do you remember about that?
1: Okay, so what, what would have happened would be uh, uh, we would have let that song we stop and we would just walk away from it because it was a whole day. And then the next time I look at it, it could have been the next day. I don't know. You know, it could have been down the line. Uh, we may have done some more song, a different song the next day. I, I can't remember, but the next time we looked at it, it would have been like, do you want to do some Dova It was been like, you know, and I he would be there, I he right in front of me and we'd he'd be like, dude, and I, and he'd be like, yeah, that's you know, that it's like we I mean, just yeah, you know, play like, and getting excited and, and down it goes. He would be he would just search in for a part and, and you know, he just and it comes very quickly. But just like any other session uh with other bands, you know, it's just that was a you know I'd never did that with him at all before because that would just be Tim.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know? And where with Tim, with Steve, Tim, you just set up and he gives you he would give Steve uh, you know, twenty different versions of the co, and and then Steve has to go and sort it out. But with Dave, it was like, you know, he's got a part. I'm going to work this part out. I'm going to work his part out. And 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 it's like, oh, that's beautiful. And because he's brilliant, it's actually brilliant. You know, um, so um, that would that would be something as simple as that. Just a normal overdub session for that song. And because uh, once yeah. he picked up the guitar, electric guitar, he, he couldn't put it down. He was he loved it. Yeah,
0: yeah and. The, uh... This You Never Know song is also on the raised B guitar, which I think is the first, I want to say that's the first time he recorded with that guitar on any album. It's not a typical six string, typical tuning. It's 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 all raised. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So it was yeah, experimental yeah. in that way as well. Um, all right, It's a now, great song.
1: It's a, it's a, it, was, it was a great song. I remember the studio owner coming in at the end of the day and we listened to you know, really? it. Really? And he was just like, it's just like, you know, I think it's like, that's the greatest thing that's ever recorded in the studio. And it's like,
0: he didn't, you know. I know. He was, it's it's a plan. Saying, Think about I, everyone. That's that's yeah. what was
1: coming out of the speakers. It just made you feel absolutely it was, amazing. It was mana yeah.
0: from heaven for sure. Um, and yeah. then the, like Roy comes in over at. The, I mean, the, the the track's just absolutely uh, incredible there. Um, yeah. All right, then you get into Captain. This is a major rework from the Lily White sessions. Uh, lyrically, structurally, is it
1: is it, is it a major rework? It's
0: a ma- yeah, like. Yes, I can't. Re-
1: I don't. I don't know. You see, it I is the,
0: the Lily White Sessions version is very brooding, introspective, dark. There's a there's like a a bridge refrain that got cut from uh from the Busta Stuff's uh, version. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no, I remember this now. So I me- I remember what went on. We did it with the, with the acoustic guitar, and and I was just like, I don't know, I was just like, <laughs> just drab. It was just, yeah. I just wanted to, I wanted to hear it. because we have done all these tracks. I don't know where where we. I can't remember the order we. Mm-hmm. Where Captain would have been, I think actually, I do remember it was one of the ones before they went to Salt Lake City because I do remember okay. playing it, and um, and I just I was just bored with the Sonics that day, you know, I was like, oh, another and it just wasn't, so I just tried the guitar, yeah, just plug in the guitar, and I and I love the um the closeness to it, you know, the, the guitar comes right to your face, it does, because it's, yes. it's plugged in. I think it's just a, D, a DI
0: guitar. I I wouldn't, and I wouldn't lo- surprise I love me, that. yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: and I and that's for me was. Oh, that sounds, you know, that feels great, and off we go. Uh, I don't recall the details of dropping. Dave may have dropped it in his head before and decided not to do it, or maybe, you know, I can't remember how that, I just can't remember. Well, I remember the guitar, and I remember it going from from dark to light emotionally, and it was like, and I love the, I love the, um, I love the uh, you know that sort of bar you know like cocktail bar sound yeah you know i
0: mean roy yeah roy on this track i I mean it's just vintage roy kind of stuff there um but yes i i hear what you're saying with that and it's got i mean stefan is way in a good way he's way heavy in the mix on this tune like he is up he's right there with the electric it's uh this was the one track it's just it's it's markedly different from the Lily white sessions version that's not to say it's much better or much worse or anything like that it's just there was there was clearly a makeover with this one and I do like the I, unless the listeners really listening it is Dave on electric he's not playing acoustic on this track and you unless you're really paying attention that might not even be uh something that the ear picks up from for for, uh, for most people there um but I also
1: I'm so aware that I at the time I wanted a different color and the, the different color when it comes to a track what is it track five yeah you know um it's it's a fresh air, but it's a breath of fresh air, I think, sonically. You know, it just settles the whole. You know, you've had that epic ending yes. of, uh, of of uh, you never know, and then out comes um, this sort of set, like know, little, right? set little, little settler.
0: Just yeah. like a good little pivot there. Absolutely, yeah. no got- I was about Raven. to say. I was about to say. Well, Roy and left ear, board and right on Captain is where I really started to notice. Like, ah, they're in those different channels. <laughs> then you get to Raven. Okay. How many, uh, you probably aren't going to remember this. I, I understand. We're, we're going on 20 years since, but I did have this down. How many takes do you think it took for Roy to do that solo? Because it is flawless. This, his whole performance on Raven, Leroy, yeah. is incredible. And, uh, you know, if you told me it was like he stepped up and pulled it out in two or three takes, I believe you. But sometimes I know these things can take, you know, literally uh, dozens of times. Uh, uh,
1: uh, with Roy, it was very quick. He, he would just give, everything was brilliant. So i i can't imagine it being more than that to be honest
0: water off the duck's back man water
1: off the ducks back and um uh, it and I out of all the tracks I know what I've said about you never know i think raven is my spiritual favorite of the whole uh, busted stuff album I, you know i because I, of because of Roy's plane um it's a great it's a great song and it's it's sexy it's got that real dirty uh groove and but it's I, I love it as a song, but Roy is on fire. And um, it's a great, yeah. I think that's, I, think all this, I, I love the whole album, you know, but that's my, that's my favorite. Like if he said to me, just play one song, it'd be You Never Know or Raven. That would be, and I think it would be Raven because I think I hear flaws in You Never Know, even though it's brilliant. You know, even though the song's brilliant, I hear flaws in it. With Raven, I I, I think he's it's perfect.
0: I think I can hear exactly where you're coming from. That this all, by the way, this run right here, four, five, six. You never know, Captain, and then Raven. You're talking about three of the ten most cherished deep cuts that a fan can get live at a show. I mean, that's the other thing about this record is it's got a lot of deeper cuts that are just have maintained a reputation status among the fan base. That and the Raven cut is is tremendous. Now, this is also different from the Lily White sessions. Now, I wouldn't say as drastic as Captain, but the the take is great. Boyd, for that matter, is really good here as well. I'd say this is probably his shining moment on the record, I think, uh, for Boyd overall. Lily White's talked about in the past, listen, we'd, we'd, we'd mine for gold and it would take time, but when we got it, we knew we got it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Do you think this was one of those sessions where maybe this song, maybe you uh you had to work with him a bit or did it maybe come a little bit well, uh, I worked I later. worked
1: hard with Boyd, but you've, you've, you've got to remember, Boyd is in a band of obviously incredible Musicians, Right. And what I'm going to say about Boyd is he is and I, he's he's a flawed musician. Right. Technique tuning. But he says so much. I mean, he can so he he has something to say, which is way better than being amazing. Technically, you know, he, he you know, he's distinguishable. You only have to hear him. And he's you know, he has so much to say. Uh, you know, I remember Carlos Santana was saying, you know, he said, you know, you know these guys in these shops, they can all go, bood, 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 bood. He said, you know, but they, they've got things to say, you know, but Carlos can play one note. And it's like, you know, he can just move you, you know, dip, dip, and it's like, oh my God, so good. Boyd is in that realm of, uh, I, I don't know, where, I wish I hadn't used the word floor, because that makes it feel like he can't play, you know, he he's not Carter on the drums, you know, he's not, but, you know, he's, uh, and uh but he has so much to say. So when he does say it, you it, just like, oh, that's just, that is gold. It is, it's like, how did you come up with that part? You know, where's that from? You know, and, and, and I would have that every day of the week. than than mm-hmm. then a, a virtuoso person saying that leaves you cold or flat or has nothing to say. So he's how it goes down or how quick or how slow it goes down or, or where, it, when it comes, when it does come, you, you know, make sure you're recording. And recognise it and um, and cherish it because it's just you know, you know you couldn't put any you couldn't put another violin player in his place you know because what it would just do would become like you know no one could replace that sound if you know if we try to put the band together with a new saxophone player and a new violin player I mean you know the new guys you know modern DMBs are a different animal compared to this era um, uh, for better for better or worse but. Um, you couldn't, there's no one to replace Boyd because no one plays a violin like Boyd. You know, and it's it, it, you know, and, and frustrating sometimes because he's so in the same room as four other <laughs> ridiculously brilliant musicians. And then Tim would be there as well just to make everyone else feel really bad about themselves. Um, you know, Boyd, but he was, he was magical. and they would, they, And he would also be very sympathetic there's no way would he ever get in the way of of, uh, of a track, you know. So his instincts were amazing. Just technically, he would it would just take a while for you to get to get that, you know, good. And and that how that manifests itself is would be slight tuning or uh, a few scrapes here or uh, you know, yeah, yeah. But live it doesn't matter. Studio, you just eradicate them and, and get and find the magic. And yeah. but uh, yeah. That's my boy take.
0: Fine tune it. I get you. Uh, Grace is gone is the next one. I've got no notes. It's just a good. It's just a good cut, man. It's it's been a song that's been it's been Fon- embraced by hardcores and casuals alike since it debuted, you know, twenty two years ago. So I think and,
1: Fonzie played the down down down. Yeah, yeah was yeah. was
0: was was he on dobro? Uh, dobro guitar he is credited to on the album liner notes. I don't know if that would. have been. Yeah,
1: that would be him then. Yeah, Kay. yeah, yeah.
0: Uh,
1: see the next the next run details I can't, I mean Kit Can Jam I can remember that going down and I can remember <laughs> I had my little homage to the Beatles in Kit Kat Jam. You know the you know when he goes into the uh Leslie guitar mm-hmm. yeah. I mean it's just a Beatles Nick, you know I, yeah. just, I loved it. I just like oh god I love that you know so it's like so Dave's going yeah you know,
0: we get the Leslie yeah. guitar. Uh, this, oh I didn't realise it was Leslie. I didn't realise that was I mean, uh, that was the case that about. was
1: that was that was where I was referencing from. I just you know it's just the English person in me, you know the Beatles fan. Because it's just a really simple yeah see you know, the, the yeah yeah so yeah it's just a real simple rundown taking the vocals off
0: yes was, uh, tell us was, tell, no lyrics here T- this is the second studio cut that there were no I vocals it, with 30 the last track on the debut album didn't have vocals and then this one now they had uh when they played it and he's subsequently played it and he's always just improv it so I'm wondering if it was just utter no, gibberish no, or we, like what was the story here
1: maybe I don't can't remember... I cannot remember what the vocals did on the first, on the original one, the on the uh, Lily White session. I can't remember how it went. So, um, oh, I can. Yeah. I don't think had lyrics. It was like... It uh, hey, be golden violin. girl
0: with your head. Yeah, there, there, was, there was stuff there. Yeah, yeah, but yes, yeah, yeah. yes.
1: But the but um, it was so much fun to play and they loved playing it. It was like, let's do an instrumental. It was like...
0: Okay, so, he ne- so and, did vocal, Dave never we, even but, lay down vocals?
1: No. Uh, I remember when we were... Recording it, we made the decision there and then that let's just do it as an instrumental. And I think you know, I think there's a massive relief from Dave, and and off we went and did it. There was never we never did it like we'll put the vocals on later. It was like we tried it, vocals went, and then we recorded it. And uh, I mean, that drum fill is just sick, isn't it? Isn't it? And the <laughs> song is ridiculous. Dun, They've dun, only dun. played
0: this song. I don't have the stats up in front of me, but there's a great site called DMB Almanac. Shouts to the folks yeah, yeah. who run that site, and they keep track of all this stuff. I want to say they've played this song live maybe 40 times ever. And they, they, it is a, this is a freaking powerhouse of a song. This song yeah. is absurd. Like you want to talk about like s- similar to how you never know has all the five parts like coming together to almost like lift themselves off the ground. Kit Kat Jam is the same exact thing. This is a freight train coming down the track. Carter is insane. Uh the guitar part and how Stefan plays off between both of those things, you know, you have Boy deciding not I love that even the decision like Boy decided just to go plucking the violin while Roy yeah. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, I, yeah this is awesome. a wa- wonderful wonderful track and I do yeah, yeah. I you know I now more than ever I think appreciate the fact that you there they were just like you know what no words we don't need yeah that.
1: it was it was the decision and uh, and it was like almost like a relief you know it's like, it was like a oh good let's just you know and so we enjoyed it as an instrumental great great song yeah, I enjoy that
0: one. Yeah. A few more here to wrap up. Digging a ditch. This feels like a like you play Kit Kat Jam and then Digging a the ditch comes. It's like a cool just a, a cool dip into the pool after you you finish Kit Kat Jam. Uh, it was a song that was known before uh, because David actually played Digging a ditch and Bartender were the first two songs that were played live after before these crowded streets. So they were the two songs that people figured whenever DMB did the next record they would be on it. Uh, I now think this is uh, registered as one of the more underrated songwriting efforts of dave's career it's still plenty appreciated i know you didn't have a say in the sequencing but this does really make its placement on the album i've always thought was perfect i thought this is one of those you know songs that is in the exact right place on the uh, on the sequencing
1: well it it's so spacious isn't it there's nothing it's so there's nothing going on there's room for everybody it's it's just a a beautiful slow spacious song and uh, i I think those are one of the songs that um was easy to record because the memory of it was such a positive from the Lily White sessions. So it just, I just sucked it up and really probably just recorded that and tidied it up. And yeah, simple. There was no drama with that one at all. It was, it was an easy one to record because, yeah, because there's so much room for the vocal, isn't there? So yeah, the sound of the vocal, he's got that, there's hardly anything going on.
0: Uh, you know, and I like Leroy is just so loose on this, Steve. I mean, yeah. if you really listen and focus in on Roy, it's like he's playing over in the corner, just kind of chiming in as he, hes like just a little bit chatty, you know. And he's—I yeah. think he put a, a tinge of reverb on uh, on his sax there. I don't know. It's just a really delicate. I, I loved your production touch on this one.
1: I thank you, thank you so much. I I, I do remember because he would play low. You play lot of stuff, and I do remember picking the parts at the right time. You know, it's just what you do. It's not like, oh my God, I picked the part. You know, <laughs> I did it. It's just what you do as a producer and and um uh and he gives you so much to work with. So it's just fishing to get the best one. But I do remember actually sort of but he you know he's he gives you that. You know he he doesn't get in the way. You know, he doesn't get in the way of, of Dave. He's making those decisions as a musician as he's playing. So you're just finding the best ones. You're not sort of he's not playing over it and I have to just stop it. You know, yeah. he's making those decisions as
0: a musician. Final two songs we got Big Eyed Fish and then Bartender. So, Big Eyed Fish, this is a rework from the Lily White Sessions. Uh, lyrically, the verses get flipped. The Lily White Sessions version is faster. There's some post chorus stuff on the Lily White Sessions, whereas Busted Stuff uh, version went right into the second verse. There's just different. There's uh, They're they they're both actually, I don't think, I can't even pick which one I like more. Uh, this one segues into Bartender, Lily White Sessions didn't. What do you recall about doing this? And then I assume it was a band decision to say, we're going to segue from one into the other, which was almost a signature of the band. Every record they had done, with the exception of Every Day, they would have at least one back-to-back track where one song segued into another, and that surfaced again here to close out this album.
1: Retrospectively, thinking about it, I do remember Big Eye Fish being probably the one functionary song to do that was like, I just remember like, we just have to record this song because it's one of the songs that you know has to be done i i don't remember ever being it was just really i think um out of all of them the carbon copy of, the f- of even though you've told me those differences my memory of it was like yeah this is make this this is feeling like how i remembered it you tell me now it's completely
0: different. I mean, it's not completely well. There are structural. <laughs> sorry, yeah. I'm sorry to, to, to eliminate your your memory is absolutely correct, and I can see what you're saying, Stephen. That like, all right, this is how we did it um, back in Charlottesville. The song basically sounds the same, similar structure. There were there were some reworks to it, but I get I get the notion that you're getting at there though.
1: Yeah. Now the the segue. It. I think that probably just would have. Um, I, know, I remember building the segue on the multitrack, so the multitrack actually did work. So we did, definitely did make a decision in the studio because that's the only way it could work. You have to record it, you know, it was because one came out of the other. And so I think once Dave had got on the electric guitar with the Ebo...
0: I was just about to say, that's Ebo again, is it not? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, yes. it, yeah,
1: it's the Ebo. And um, so I think uh, we would have developed that. That's the idea. Let's put it together and let's then... Make the transition work musically to, yeah, as one. So yeah, that would have that would have been two songs put together digitally, and then we would have uh, crafted the the uh, the segue.
0: Can you expand on the thought you mentioned earlier, where you said first vocal take by Dave here is the one you kept?
1: Yeah, no, uh, uh, he couldn't. He he did some extra takes. Okay, and because he did it on a uh, for a the microphone we used for the takes would be like an SM seven, something that doesn't pick the guitar up where the vocal sounds would be a real high quality microphone, you know, on headphones. <clears throat> so it's different sonics. So once i would got, you know, if i would recorded 10 vocals of one Sonic of the, of the you know, uh, the original vocal is dead and buried because you can't match the sounds up. You know, it's a different microphone. It's got the guitar on. So if you're going to use the live take, you've got to use the live take top to bottom, you know, top, to, absolutely top to bottom. And, um, he, he would record it. And, um, it just wasn't it was good. It was good, but every time I went back to the uh, the live take. So there's a mistake on there. Is it please redirect me? Yeah. If I go right. So he says please direct me twice, and it should have been redirect. So Ooh, okay. it's the it's the most cringiest bit I of
0: I never know crappy,
1: crappy production on the whole album. he's <laughs> like we just put in reap. <laughs> you sang re. <laughs> Really, and I put it into reverb, and we went, yeah, that's great. And then, like in hindsight, oh, you know <laughs> what?
0: I know what you're talking about now. I can hear it. Yes, uh, I can hear it in redirect, my mind. Redirect, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes,
1: it's really bad because I couldn't edit because I couldn't, you know, I couldn't get him to re-sing it and it and it sonically worked, because you would hear a the guitar is, sound would yeah, change yeah, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. You know, so what's so maybe if I tried harder or I had access to Dave a bit longer, I maybe would have, uh, uh, you know, done that again, but. Sometimes, you know, when on Dave's left California, you can't, you know, you go, mm-hmm. oh, you know, he's gone, you know. So that was a bad, a bad decision. That annoys me. It takes me, when I ever hear that song, that takes me out my moments, you know. <sighs> yeah, because I'm thinking like, oh, oh and, and yes. then I'm back.
0: I do, yeah. I do. Now that you brought it up, I do, I did remember uh, at least taking a mental note, if not an actual physical one. Uh, the way, how big and the song is, and how much is there. I don't know if this would qualify or not Steve. Uh, did this I'm just curious of the of the ones that made the record, which one do you think actually took the most work? Did you, you know, for Streets it was Don't Drink the Water. I think Lily White told me on Crash. I want to say he might have said it was two step maybe or Monkey. Um do you remember which which of these uh what 10 11 tracks actually, you know, you know, took the most elbow grease, the most time to uh to complete?
1: I would say um Bartender, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, only because of the length of it, but also, yeah, I think Barton. I mean, it, 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 yeah, but there was no problem. I had, I had no, the biggest problem was keeping the band together. Was, yeah, that that was the bigger issue than actually, the, the, I think once that period of time I was talking about beforehand, it was very perfunctionary. And I, I don't want to say that it wasn't like the band weren't engaged, they so were, but it was like, I'm done. It's like, you know, I remember Cardsley going, you know, are we done? Have we got all the songs? I mean, they done, said, brilliant. Thanks so much. Love you. I'll see you. I'm out of it. You know, mm. and then he's on a plane. You know, and that would have happened to Roy fons You know, and Dave was last to do some overdubs, and he's gone. So I think for them, I'm not talking for them, but from my opinion, I think that period of time was difficult. They re-engaged with the process because it had to be done, and did it in a much nicer way than it was pre the Olympics. Um, but it was a perfunctory. Process. So I was just trying to get as much as I can while I'd got them. You know, well, they they stayed around until they were released. But when they were released, they would go. There was no, I don't think there was a a massive emotional attachment to the process. But when the band, when the tracks were going down, there was. Does that make sense?
0: It does. It does. Yeah. Um, Sorry. No, with that being Uh, said, I just wanted to ask you kind of big picture doing this album, um, now knowing what you've you've shared here. Because I think from the fan base's perspective, there's always been this idea that like they did every day, they released it. To you know, some people liked it plenty. So just it was to mix reviews. It was what it was. It's fine. That whether the band thought they needed to lay down another album or put down the, the an album with these songs out because they had played them live and the Lily White sessions leak. Like did, did when they when you started this process. Oh, we and, knew what
1: we were doing. We, we knew that we knew that it was a cathartic. Okay, process like get, this this yeah.
0: needed to get done. So yeah, it yeah, wasn't yeah. okay. So you say cathartic process, but it wasn't. I want to be clear here. It wasn't a situation where. When it started, they were just kind of punching a clock to just like get this thing out of my house kind no, of deal. Okay, it no, wasn't no,
1: no, okay. No, 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 no. It okay. was, no, I think um, there were external pressures going on with everybody, you know, a lot of external pressures while we were doing this project. You know, okay. I think even from day one, I never got the process that people weren't into the project. It was just, a, I mean, per functionaries is probably a, a bad word. Uh, no, no, It's probably right. But it was like, they had to be done, but there was, there was something else going on. There was lots of things going on, you know, personal stuff for everybody, you know, and, um, so maybe putting them into together in a room together. And, 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 but it was, it, it, the second half was, well, the second, the second two thirds was a wonderful experience. First half was great, but then, well, for me it was, but I don't know what I'm saying, but the, you know, the, the, the Salt Lake City trip was, um, was, uh, uh, something meant yeah, something. It something. was something, but um, I, I, uh, I remember Dave being really, really into it because he, I think, and I want to say I think one of the reasons that he trusted me with a with the session was that um, I just just done the uh, Ben Quella record for ATO Records, and he adored that record, you mm. know. And he said to me when we got there, he said, "If you could just make it feel as good as that, I'd be so happy." You know, that's what I'm. That's you know. So it was. That was. I think really helped me get that gig was that he because he he was you know he knows Ben he came to the studio in New York doing it but he loved that record he would play it constantly while we were in San Francisco early on and um, so you know it was there was a lot of pressures I think but I think the band were going down that route you know fast forward I saw them in Dublin in 2016 and you know they're just a wonderful band yeah you'd look at the way they are they're just they are brothers I don't know Sure. Boy and you know not with us anymore and Boyd's gone but um I think they've all grown up or they've sorted their so yeah, they've sorted themselves out where you know what life's about you do that when you hit 50 and you know it's yeah. um you know but at the time I know what I was like I mean you know I had an ego we all have egos you know it was just but they're big egos <laughs> yeah. big big egos How and a lot of this? money flying around a lot of pressure a lot of you know, life changing things for them you know it was it's was, it was great to see Great to be part of. I mean, I, I I treasure that time. I treasure my friendship. I'm still friends with Dave a lot. Like, we speak quite often, and um, whenever he comes to London, I always, you know, we always just hang out together. Um And then, of course, then we did the solo album, which is another story. We
0: will, and we will have how, how about listen? Next year's the 20 year anniversary. Do you want to Do you want to reconvene? <laughs> and do you want to? Yeah, uh, that's
1: okay. a. Oh, there's a story. Okay, Then, <laughs> like that? listen. Yeah. This
0: is not you we will do this it is happening we will okay. we will do it for for next year and make sure we uh because there's plenty there's so much around that as well um but okay with that being said a couple couple quickies to wrap on first of okay. all uh people listening to podcast can't can't see this although i will take a, i'm gonna take a screenshot right now i'll i'll tease this out people that that can't uh hey
1: hey get a screenshot of this never seen before. oh
0: there we go hold on hold on there we there we go that was the, for everyone listening that was uh th- that's literally said the summer so far. Hold on. So that is <laughs> is that what you would have taken back with you into uh, but, that was the okay, summer. So, that was the Lily so, White. He just showed me the Lily White sessions on uh So on there's the a story here. so far, right? Okay, that's yeah. my that's my writing. They would all look like that.
1: Terrible writing. Oh, I'm going to take another story screenshot
0: so. right now. Hold on. Keep that up. Okay.
1: And then and then I finished off with uh, the summer so far. This is my copy. Okay. Uh, and the another ones would just look like that. I what's really mad is that there's like there's only nine tracks on there.
0: I know that is a bit mad.
1: The whole story is very weird. I understand it, but um, so there was eight of them. That's mine, and uh, I just thought, you know, I mean, how much is that worth?
0: <laughs> That's incredible. Now, are those take. Do you think? I don't think you've listened. Do you think those takes on that are the same ones that leaked, or do you think you might have different takes on that CD?
1: No, 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 no. What would have happened is, what would have happened is, this would be identical. Okay. I, at the end of the session, at the end of the night, I would make five or six CDs for the band. And write them like the story so far, and mm-hmm. put a date on. And then the last one, I just wrote the summer so far, because we were stopping for summer. And so that uh,
0: was your title, okay?
1: Just to define that it was the up- most up-to-date mixes. I-, I may only have nine because I couldn't be asked waiting to put on the rest ones. I couldn't. I I don't know why there's nine on there.
0: Why don't uh, you Why don't you listen to them at some point and figure out if there are twelve on there? You should.
1: Uh, okay. Shit. there's the cd of the of the, of the uh yeah. story so far somewhere so far no idea where the cd Ah, oh. i've lost it oh i've looked God. everywhere <laughs> yeah i imported them to my itunes so they're in there somewhere okay but, uh, but uh, that is something I thought, I thought i thought you might enjoy just seeing that
0: i did i did and i do and that's so so special do you, so uh, what I was about to say was uh, you've got, uh, you've got a, what, a gold record of Before These crowded Streets uh, above I your have, shoulder. I have, a, I have a triple platinum. A triple platinum? All right, he's, he's uh, grabbing it right now. Yeah,
1: triple platinum. Gun. Okay. Because that was the Grammy one, wasn't it? That, that was, was Grammy-nominated
0: one, yeah. And then you've got Supernatural. Did they ever send you, like, Busted Stuff went two times platinum. Like, did they? does the record company send you, like, one of those platinum records behind glass or anything? Like, do you have anything that, this is oh your album, God. dude.
1: Oh, I've got one for busted stuff. I think it's either in my mom's in Spain or downstairs. I can't okay. remember. All right, no, I mean yeah. you,
0: know, you have to get it right now. But yeah. yeah, uh feel free to uh to to text her. If you've got it, I'd love to I'd love to to see uh to see that. Um that's really, really cool that you still are in frequent contact with Dave and you guys are such good friends. That's that's awesome. Do you ever think if he he only did one solo record. Maybe he'll do another one eventually one day. Like if you ever if you ever did another one, do you think that not that you're expecting or whatever. I'm just wondering if you think you'd ever work with I, him again. I,
1: I want to uh probably say this if you are gonna do a if we're going to do a, uh, some devil one, but, uh, after, after some devil, we sat in a bar in London and, uh, and he said to me, you know, I think, I think we're done. And I said, I'm done. You know, <laughs> like like, I've got nothing to give you, you know, we are cause, cause the, uh, some devil was, uh, was a record and a half to make.
0: All yes. right. We uh, will save that for our, listen, got to yeah. tease the listeners. We'll say that for our next chat. What is your best Leroy Moore story? If anything pops to mind.
1: Uh, Leroy. Oh, oh my God. So many. Um, well, first when he jammed, uh, in, uh, that, that, uh, jazz gig, was when I realized he was uh, amazing. I think when we went to buy a Ferrari, <laughs> we went to have a look at a Ferrari and we all went down in a big escalade. There was me, Dave, Leroy. Now me, Fonzie, Leroy. Carter and um, oh, their big bouncer guy. Uh, um, oh, he's lovely. We go there, and the uh, the uh, he was looking and he was seriously bonded by Ferrari, and uh, they asked him to leave. This is in this is the Ferrari garage in in um Mill Valley, and um, but they asked us to leave. Oh my god, because because they, they thought there's no they, way he's gonna they
0: were, racially, they were racially profiled, yeah, 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 yeah. terrible, uh, uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, I that that is my that was my one memory wow, of like re- realize, realizing realizing um, what America's like. Uh, you know, I'm not saying England's the same, but that's probably the most um, upsetting times I've ever. He took it like a. He was just like it happens, you know. And and listening to those three, listen to the three guys uh, talk about some of the, you know, they would get you know on the street. Oh, I got stopped in this. I got stopped, you know, by the cops today again. It was like. I mean that's a dark conversation, but that was one of my memories. uh, The way he handled that with such dignity, Um, and that's a heavy story. But that's you you did ask me. Um, What what do I remember? And I think we had some really personal times when he was in a pretty bad. He was in a bad way uh, in busted stuff, and I would. And those those times were precious to Mm. me. Yeah, he trusted me to to uh, to go to listen. But he was so funny. I mean, he was. I mean, you are. He would make us laugh. I mean, he was just a, a brilliant, brilliant human being.
0: And dearly yeah. missed. Uh, I,
1: and uh, and uh, the saddest thing was that I was in the UK and uh, I was in the UK when and I couldn't get over to the funeral. And that was that really really.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I
1: hurt. Yeah, I couldn't get there in time. Mm. And there's another story. I'll tell you that one. Why I couldn't go. <laughs> but come on.
0: Yeah. Um. Best piece of D M B memorabilia that you own? Well I guess it might be I didn't know if there's anything else aside from oh, thank you. Oh hold on. Okay. Okay. He's getting up from hold his on. chair. Sorry. That's uh, in the corner. Oh. Okay. Hey, look at this. Taylor, my Taylor Was now was this the one that was used to record busted stuff? No,
1: no. Uh, okay. Taylor seven one four, which Dave was using for around busted stuff. Not busted, Stuff, uh, he would this one is using live, I think around um, crash around that time, two thousand pre two thousand. I think he moved into, and he moved on. Upper.
0: Yeah, he a was model. using Taylors in like ninety nine, two thousand a lot.
1: This this he hey, so, I really wanted one, and uh, a Dave Roady said I need to get some more. So I said they were, were going to order three or four. I said oh I'd love one. He said oh just order one for Steve. I said I'll pay you back when you know hmm. when it comes and when it came he just went. I've not won any money off you. There you go. So you gave me this. Great stuff, this man. Beautiful. Thing. I
0: also have a 714. No, I'm not going to go get it. And no, it's not nearly as special. <laughs> 714, what, without the cutaway? I have the cutaway. Yeah, I have the cutaway.
1: Uh, this is the non, non-cutaway.
0: That's beautiful guitar, no, man.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful. So that's, that was mine. Um, what else? Uh, that's it. Yeah, guitar given to me by Dave. How about that? Love yeah. it.
0: Uh, if I take away Busta Stuff and Some Devil, what's your favorite DMB record? Favorite DMB album? Can't pick Busta Stuff or Some Devil.
1: I love uh, Big
0: Whiskey. Is that a fact? Yeah, I do. What I is it do. about that I, album that you that makes you choose it above all the others?
1: It, uh, uh, there's moments that for me personally that just takes me to like dive in. It's a tune. It's a, it's a tune. It's just great. It's just, it's the things that I love about the band and his voice and his melody and his lyrics, a, you know, everything else. I mean, I think if I put one on, it would, I would be, yeah. You know, if I, to, I have to put one record on for one play, it would be that record. I think. Okay. It has, it's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. absolutely brilliant. And it's, and it's, it's also the transition of the band where they are going to this new, the new Dave Matthews band, Yeah. We am which is a different—that's you know—that's the conversation. Probably not for now, but um, it was a transitional record, uh, and I think the first first two, are, you know, they're, they're great. Um, listener supported, I think. Oh uh,
0: yeah, I mean that's yeah, that's a, um, just a flawlessly uh, produced like live. Yeah, yeah. Album. Rapunzel,
1: oh. Rapunzel on that, record, yeah, that performance they chose. Oh, yeah. That's when I. That's when I realised we were I was working with greatness. When uh, with Carter, uh, yeah. with that, uh, he told me a great story about um, Omar Hakim. Once that album was out, and Omar Hakim uh, was uh, chatting to Carter, and he said, "Dude, this is Carter telling the story. He's like, dude, I can't tell what, what I can't. I don't know what the key but well, Yeah, what the time signature is. He's like, what the hell is? you know, even Omar Hakim couldn't work out. what wow. what? It was a horrendous song to, to drop in on. Because when it was fresh, we didn't know how it went. It wasn't like in your in your soul. So you're trying like, okay, let's go into in let's just drop in for this bit. And it's like <laughs> why do you count that? It's like it's in, you know, it's but yeah,
0: it was For those yeah. who don't know, by the way, Omar Akim is a, <laughs> quite the, quite the respected drummer uh uh in the music scene over the years. Um played with dire straits. Carly Simon weather report. I mean, they're just a ridiculously talented drummer. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. for him to say that is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. is certainly something. All right, last one. Let's let's drop uh let's drop a little goodie for the fans here. So a few years back, we were messaging and I can't remember why you messaged me this, but you had said I just listened to Machead for the first time in like twenty plus years. And I mean I, I you had said that you got the uh, a clip passed to you cuz you were reminiscing with a friend of yours. Yeah. You said I nearly yeah. fell off my chair.
1: So, Machead. Yes. exists and it was an idea. Yes. And what Steve says about it is exactly that. And you know there's no disputing that I had literally no idea how it went. Not a clue. Mm-hmm. I, I know I know we did it. I know we recorded it. And it went into the vault, never to be heard again. Um, so, uh, a very close friend to the band, who is also involved with their photography, uh, and uh, is putting a little fil- putting a film together. I don't, it's not for me to say whether it's coming out or not. Um, you know, but he, he did, and I, you know, and we were just chatting. He said, "Oh, let me show you this." I mean, he sends me this film. I've seen the film top to bottom, So the, it's so a film. The- it's a fans. It's all a documentary going through the period of time of the, of the, you know, all old footage you haven't seen, like them in Brazil, yeah. behind the scenes. It's just a fan. It's amazing. I, I, I bet Corrin's listening. he's like, shut up, <laughs> you know. But on that, on that thing is uh, Machead. And so I heard it, and it was like,
0: oh yeah, yeah yeah. Hold on. Now Alex. is this is this when you watched it? Was it? Like you know, oh, a, no, a photo Steve montage and, and they're playing, or yeah, literally, you're seeing m- them play photo, okay.
1: photo montage, of us in the in recording it, and Steve talking about it, and it playing and it playing. So I heard it for after twenty years, and it was like, wow, it's like it's like it's wow. I was in. I understand what that would mean. What that means to the community. Yes, but I didn't go. Wow, what a great song. It's a. It's a shame that it's uh, not out. It is like radiohead uh, you
0: know, it, it, radiohead it, and it, McCartney yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah it is yeah, it's uh it's it's I'm I'm not gonna spoil it but yes I have heard it
0: you not only have you heard it you've heard it within the past two to three years that's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 how about that that's uh that's a good little <laughs> nugget right there I think eventually it gets released and um it's just one of the it's you know it's it's just uh it's the ultimate Do you know
1: what i was just thinking about you know talking about fans you know uh red light allowing uh outtakes to be heard and mm-hmm. I, I was thinking about when we did uh little white sessions you asked me whether we did tape and mm-hmm. uh thing so uh the tape you know two inch tape 24 track like you know 100 dollars 200 dollars a roll or whatever it was uh and uh and then we would record record on that and then that Choose the best takes, and then we would transfer them onto digital. Then that becomes the master, the digital, the tapes, the the, uh, the backing tapes, which would have all the you know the band playing live. We got through eighty six tapes.
0: Dear God, Steve.
1: Of 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 uh, so it'd be like we were working at. Uh,
0: how much is one tape? How much? How many hours? Would, how many minutes? Uh,
1: I would say we were working at. It's either really working at 30, 30 ips, thirty inches per second, or fifteen. I think I would be working at, 50, at thirty, so fifteen minutes, sixteen minutes working time. So eighty-six tapes of sixteen minutes of yeah. They they might be there'll be gaps and stuff, but
0: that's one thousand three hundred and seventy-six minutes of music.
1: Yeah, yeah. Of those, of those uh, little white sessions.
0: Do we think they still exist? That's the question. Yeah, yeah. They will do. Yeah,
1: I, I know. Exa- I know exactly where they are yeah, in the vault. Yeah.
0: Oh boy, that's yeah. just incredible, man. That's really, really, really good stuff there. Um, you've been brilliant my man this this went long my pleasure. But, but this has been uh this has been no this has been my pleasure so thank you so much for taking a, a trip down uh, memory lane here and i look forward to uh future correspondence future chats and um you know any any final thoughts from you as we uh no i just, just want to
1: say thank you for at long last had a a, a chance to get my story out for for, for the first time uh, it's been very enjoyable
0: The best, Steve. Thank you so much, and uh, we will talk again soon. Cheers. Mr. Steve Harris, thank you so very much for your candor, your humor, and navigation through what we now know to be one of the shakiest times in DMB's history. Quite interesting to learn that all these years later. And I didn't realize, just to be clear, I did not know what Harris was going to say before I interviewed him, so I learned that in real time, as you heard on the interview there. This record's reputation has always sat on a weird perch for DMB and its fan base. On one hand, it is an obvious upgrade over every day. The timing and haste of its release was equal parts an acknowledgement by the band, that they themselves wanted those Lily White session songs on a proper album. They wanted to get that done. They said that was the case. They eventually wound up going through with that relatively quickly. But it was also catalyzed by the fans who made their opinion and wants and desires well known. And again, this is twenty years ago. This is well before social media was around, and you could simply at mention uh, band members or an official account and and continue to just to uh, to make your voice known that way. And yet. Despite busted stuff and its relative success, no doubt about that, many still do prefer the unfinished versions of these songs on the Lily White sessions, which is also why I did this three-part retrospective because the legacy of this album versus the legacy of the album it was supposed to be, they're forever intertwined and also oddly linked by every day just again a fascinating time in the band's history. DMB was going to go one way and then it pivoted and then it went another and then it repivoted and went another. And it's interesting to see how the group was on a certain trajectory until about two thousand and then maintained immense success after that, but it could have had a different path of success. And I think that is an existence and a non existence that still captivates the imagination of devoted D M B fans all these years later. Of course, busted stuff is in many ways a bare bones record. You heard Harris describe it that way. And to hear this album again now in this context, it is wild to think about. It was done in the same studio where they made Streets, and yet the albums are so dissimilar. It's not the room, folks. Remember, it's not the room. It's the tunes and the people making the art that really determines what uh, what the music can sound like. I completely get why Harris did take the approach he did with making this album, though. And that's probably the, the only way that he really could have or should have. Uh, and knowing now that he had to play therapist, keep the band engaged, help steer the ship when things were teetering. If anything, it makes me appreciate the efforts of this album all the more. A lesser producer might have cracked. A lesser producer could have had an even bigger disaster on their hands. This really could have gone a few other ways, and all things considered, Harris did a pretty good job. Remember, Harris said there was that few hours where things were just dangling in the balance and he was finally summoned back into the control room when the band wanted to hear some of the stuff they had recently laid down they got into a better spot which is great because think of it what if it had gone the other way and maybe it easily could have but thankfully it didn't thankfully Uh, and what happened on that trip to salt lake city by the way opening ceremony for the olympics certainly in you know, another mystery that remains closed. Uh, it does seem clear that the fallout from the Lily White sessions combined with doing, you know, a relatively lengthy tour for Every Day, everything attached to that album, and then going back into the studio to get back into these songs, it just added up to something that amounted to a, a fracture that was at least uh, salvageable, and that's great. They did get the album done, went on and had a remarkable 0-2, 3 and even 0-4, and to hear Harris recall the day they made You Never Know and produced it in the studio, and you had the owner of the studio come in, how special was that? That was really, really cool, you know, at the start of the day, You know, the bare skeleton bones of a song that Dave had on a riff were there, kind of, and then by the end of it, they had basically laid down almost the entire thing in a day's time. Just incredible to think about that. The band has never really gone into too much detail about the composition tied to that specific song, so it was great to get more perspective because that... Tune. You never know. Clearly, stands among the best work uh, DMB has ever put to tape or uh, created in, in terms of composition and highlighting each member. Just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful stuff. I wasn't sure what I was going to get from Harris on these shows, but he obviously passed the audition. How about? I mean, how about that detail with him watching some sort of behind the scenes before these crowded streets? Documentary. I don't have any more on that. I I, I have what he told me, and the fact that they put Machead over this. What is this doing? Not out in the world yet. Now, they're obviously, I would think, I would think that that is going to be saved for, I would hope, the 25 year anniversary of Before These Crowded Streets, which will land in 2023. Steve, thank you for putting that out there because you just made DMV fans everywhere salivate. But as for Busted Stuff, 20 years on. I think my biggest takeaway is that the album is still more than just worth returning to, maybe worth appreciating all the more now that we know how it was created, all the factors that went into the making of this album, how tough it was. It could have been better, sure, but it could have been plenty, plenty worse. If you did enjoy these DMB-centric episodes, I'm going to point you to the Corner of Gray Street podcast. Those guys make chatting about DMB a full-time hobby. I would recommend you go find that pod if you're looking to add more of this band into your life. And if you've recently found this podcast and not yet rated it or reviewed it, feel free, please, to go ahead and do so. Uh, share your your thoughts, opinions, and uh, give that a five-star if you could. It's been a fun indulgence over these past three shows, but as I said on part two the fertile yet fragile time in the band's history, it was worth more than just a, hey, remember that. I mean, this was worth some reflection, some appraisal, some acknowledgement, and let's learn a few more things along the way. So thank you for again for taking the time to listen to these pods. It was, a, it was a ton of fun and I so very much appreciate everyone that helped make it happen. A new episode on a completely different topic will be coming next in the feed. So happy listening, folks. Talk to you soon.